There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medicine have been destroyed by Big Pharma. We're in the dark ages of true healing. After all, it's not just about living long, it's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Now prepare to have your consciousness explode into the next evolutionary stage of human existence with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Stockwell. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And it is time for episode 73, The Invisible Plague. Ooh. Yes, why are there simply some bad things your immune system will not attack? This is some forbidden information you're going to hear today that you are not going to hear anywhere else. And of course, as we have instituted for some time now, our weekly feature, Forbidden Secrets, they don't want you to know. These are the secrets that they keep from you, the dumb things they tell you, and the really important things they know nothing about. Yes. And I want to go back to that first part where why there are simply some bad things your immune system will not attack. Do you mean like ever? Never. Never. Your immune system will not recognize these. In some people, their immune systems will. But then there's other people... That same viral bacterial concoction inside their gut that causes chronic disease, their immune system will never recognize it. And we're going to get to that during the show. Yeah, even with cell-mediated immunity, which we talked about in our vaccination series. Okay, real quickly, these are the really important things they know nothing about. Our son just brought home a yearbook just recently, and... This is the saddest thing. We were flipping through it, and they do these little spotlights on the seniors, and they tell something that's important in their life. You know, they're the state champ, or they're incredible ballerinas, or they just won this and this and this. Well, this one girl's little blurb was about her mother, her mother that had died of breast cancer. And we've got her picture right here. I don't think we can post it on our website or on this podcast, but she's beautiful and she looks like she's like 35 years old. And the thing that I want to tell you, the thing they know nothing about is, you know, they did everything possible to save that woman. The little seniors sitting by her gravestone in this picture. It's so gut-wrenching. And she talks about how it ripped their family apart and how she doesn't know how she can go on. Did Rourke know this student since he's not a senior? No, he's a sophomore. He... He didn't know her, but it was still gut-wrenching to her. They know nothing about this. They know nothing. They're just running for the cure, trying to find some magical cure out there. They're not trying to prevent breast cancer, which is what I suppose I effectively did in myself. You can never prove that. But they're also not understanding what to do to get rid of it, except for do a shotgun blast and destroy the whole immune system hoping they get the, you know, cancer cells. So that's one thing. And then I also want to tell you just a couple little um, fun things that people told us about our new ageless thyroid product. A couple ladies came in, a mom and a daughter. They both have had their hair falling out for a long, long time. And they said their hair has now stopped falling out after using ageless thyroid. How long had they been using it? Well, I think a couple months. I know somebody else's hair who stopped falling out. And it never occurred to me to relate it to the ageless thyroid because she's been on it for a couple ever since the product came out a couple months ago. 
Would that be me? Well, that would be you, <laughs> baby. That would be yeah, you. Yeah, when I went through menopause, it was really strange. My hairdresser noted it too. My hair was falling out. I think it was kind of a molting or something, you know, out with the bad, good in with the good, in with the new. And yeah, uh, we just you don't notice when it doesn't happen. But um, it used to just cover the desk for a for a few months there, oh, yeah. I remember. Maybe longer. Maybe. Yeah, I thought you got a mohair my mouse pad, but it was your hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how long it hasn't been falling out because you don't notice, but it's not doing that anymore. No, I used to see it on the shower floor. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I remember that. I don't that. see it anymore. When I was going to, yeah. And it never occurred to me until these two ladies yesterday mentioned to you their hair's not falling out. And I thought, oh, that's the same with Mary. Well, here's another one from Gretchen. Her, um, she says, she sent me this text. She says, Jack's son, that's Dr. Josh, Jack's son told me to take the Livaplex for my bad blood results. And within three weeks, they came back normal. Yay. Mm -hmm. I also purchased the ageless thyroid pills from you too. And my results immediately improved. I will write you all a review on Yelp. I'm so blown away on how quickly it worked. Fantastic. So those are two very foundational um, supplements I think everybody should be taking at least on and off. So to start the podcast, <laughs> we had the most soul-wrenching stories. They just tore us apart about little kids this last week. Remember I talked about the little five-year-old that didn't eat for five days and had to pull himself up to the toilet to throw up. He was so weak, dark circles under his eyes. He lost eight pounds. The parents were really freaked out. Because they put him on gaps. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were going to take him to the emergency room. And she texted me and said, you know, should we stop gaps? This doesn't look like, you know, it's a good thing. And I said, well, what are you going to do? You're going to send him back. You're going to go back to eating toast, bananas, and cereal? Oh, brother. Because that's all he would eat. And only certain brands of those. My goodness. Uh, and, and Ambrosia was telling me about a patient of hers who's autistic child will only eat Yoplait yogurt. Half sugar. Yeah, yeah. And it has to be Yoplait. It has to be that brand. Yeah, because it has high yeah. sugar content. Yeah, these um, OCD autistic kids get really <sighs> particular. So we talked about that already, but we had a huge, oh, it was so hard. I got a call from another patient of ours that said, you need to give my friend a call. She came in to see you. Well, she's come in about nine months ago for a chronic yeast infection. But she was pregnant, and she had the baby with this chronic vaginal yeast infection. So her baby had thrush. Was born with it, Was yeah. born with thrush. And then we didn't hear from her again. We recommended, you know, the Zymex and the probiotics and the lactic acid and everything. We didn't hear from her again until nine months later. This baby's now nine months old. Well, in the process of not thinking it was important enough, this horrible plague came upon this little baby. First of all, this baby was vaccinated the first day of, of life with thrush. Then it proceeded to get all his vaccinations up until he's nine months old now. Which is... It's criminal. This is an immune-compromised little baby. Yeah. Obviously. Couldn't... Couldn't put in, keep anything down. They had to give him PPIs, you know, proton pump inhibitors, which I know sends you through the roof. So to even keep food down. Yeah, then, don't, don't even sh- go there. Yeah, yeah. And then shocker of shockers, at three months old, he gets a ye- an ear infection. And we can only imagine what they gave him for that. 
Oh, yeah. He's been on straight antibiotics since he's been three months old. He's now nine months old. Never has been off of them. Has had tubes put in his ears twice. And the reason we finally got a call was that he will not stop screaming and he can't keep any food down. And the medical doctors just want to put a feeding tube in him. That's their healing solution for this little boy. Not figuring out what's wrong, you know, except for throwing in the proton pump inhibitors, which stop him from breaking down any protein. Nothing. This is the horrible plague. Now, that's going on. And of course, I, I um, got in touch with the mother and I have spent probably hours with mm-hmm. her. This is very, very dangerous. And I said, why was he vaccinated? And why was he given, well, I know why he's given antibiotics, but why was, and she says, oh, my husband's a pharmacist and he insists on it. And I said, you're the mother too. You're not, it's not like you're taking care of this child for him. You're the mother. You need some say in this also. My goodness. I said, don't be intimidated by this educated, you know, by your husband's education. He has a very narrow scope of practice, although with pharmacy, you know, pharmacology, he knows a lot of different pills. And, I, you know, I think sometimes pharmacists are more educated than medical doctors. Well, they certainly understand the pharmacopoeia right. much better than a medical doctor. But they're doctor. not working with patients no, per se. But I have patients who are pharmacists. Yeah. And uh, we have a few conversations now and then, but they don't go very far. Well, we've had one that had to stop being a pharmacist because, I mean, all those years of of training, it was just too much for her. She's like, I can't do it. I can't poison. I can't. guilt I can't do it anymore. So, so, and then, of course, you know, the antibiotics and everything he was totally on board with. And I said, you have to stop. So I um, was talking with her quite a bit, back and forth, back and forth, and trying to get her to, you know, be strong and, and do this. And now is the time to take care of this little boy. He's only nine months old, and he's a boy, for heaven's sakes. And, you know, he was born compromised, and that's what we're going to talk about in just a minute. That's the forbidden information. But in the midst of this, yesterday I had a little five-year-old autistic boy brought to me, and it was so heart-wrenching. This is, and this is a little boy that is five years old, is completely nonverbal. He throws feces everywhere. He, can't, he wears diapers. He can't be taken anywhere. And here's what I wrote to the mother of the nine-month-old. I said, I just took care of a five-year-old uh, little autistic boy today. He is nonverbal, still wears diapers, throws his feces everywhere, and cannot be taken anywhere. They have him in a $2,500 a month facility for, uh, for some schooling, and the parents are at their wit's end. They are opposite of you in that the mother wants to follow all, the mother wants to follow all medical advice and not do anything, quote, alternative. But now she's totally on board with gaps and not vaccinating her son ever again. Here's what happened. When he was just 13 months old, that's just a few months older than this nine, mm-hmm. nine yep. month old. Okay. When he was just 13 months old, she took him in for his shots. He had seven vaccines given to him at once. He had two grand mal seizures and he never talked again. Oh, my goodness. He was just starting to say dada. He now doesn't even understand what his parents say to him, except for a few simple phrases like, time to change your diaper. He is completely absent. And the mother says she watched her little boy fade away, and now he's gone. 
He is a beautiful little boy. I tried to test him also today, but he would not allow anyone to touch him. He also was on constant antibiotic antibiotics for ear infections. But his mother was so medicalized that she gave him two more shots a year later after the two grand mal seizures. This is how ingrained it, oh, is. it, it is. This is a religion. Although it, well, it is. It's a belief system that can tear families to just like religion. Well, it that's can what tear I said. Families to pieces. I said it almost caused a divorce. But she finally faced the facts that what she had done for him had not worked. Thus, he landed in my office today. It's going to be beyond hard at this point to bring him back. But we have hope. I just wish I had caught him two years earlier. I tell you this not to scare you, but so you can see the real life damage that can happen when you give vaccinations to immune compromised children with obvious gut biosis in Dysbi- fact, dysbiosis, and that's probably the most important sentence you have said in this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Vaccines were never intended to be given to a sick child. That's right. In fact, when he got the vaccination, he was on an antibiotic and they told him it would be just fine. Now that's malpractice right there. They said, oh, no, it'll be just fine. And she was explaining this to me. She was like, I was like, are you sure? You know, because he's on a antibiotic because he was many, sick. How many other kids in that pediatric office have been, you know, had their brains fried essentially the same way? And the mothers go back and they say, what about this? How, what, what are we going to do? What they happened? told them that. They, they went back to the pediatrician. They said, it didn't have anything to do with this. I know. They always say that. I just kind of wonder... What is going on in the mind of that pediatrician's office with the nursing staff and the pediatrician when they see this over and over and over? They don't vaccinate their children. Most, many, many. Most pediatricians will never approach their child with a needle. Yeah. So I went on with her. I said, there's a lot more I could tell you, but you are very lucky. Your little boy is only nine months old. We have to turn this around now. No more poisons can be put into his little body anymore. No more. You know, Mary, I just, you know, I don't know whether to scream or cry. I was crying by the end. You know, is there an area of medicine that is more ignorant of what the human body requires for life than pediatrics? Well, that's, that's the silent plague. Yeah, this is titled the uh, the invisible plague. The invisible plague. Yeah, because it's this, only invisible to those who haven't come across this face to face. Well, this little yet. boy is not taken anywhere. He couldn't even be in our office very long. He was about maybe ten minutes, twenty minutes, maybe. Yeah. And I was going to do a few points on him, but I, he, you couldn't touch him, and you can't talk to him. You can't explain things to him. And I have a grandson the same age. And I was just dying. I was just dying if my little grandson, our little grandson, was like this, in diapers. We're going to see him today. It's kind of exciting to think that we're going to go be able to see him today. And talk to him. And to talk to him and have him tell us his stories and sit down and do his drawings and these kinds of things. That's why Dr. McBride says we are the seed bank. She, She was talking to all the certified GAPS practitioners in her last meeting um, in November, and she was saying, you are the seed banks. You are producing the seed banks. All these parents of these children, you're getting these parents healthy, the mothers specifically healthy, so they will have healthy children. 
Um, I could tell you stories about my grandson. Excuse me, yeah. our grandson. Yeah. <laughs> I could. We, we have in other podcasts. Have I? Have no, I told? We've talked about it. I, I'm almost a hundred percent sure he would be just like this little boy if he was given all the vaccinations he needed. How many has he had? Not needed. All the vaccinations that are um, scheduled. How many has he had? He's had zero. Zero, as zero. far as we know. Same uh, as our son. Yeah, and his. Um, He's had two antibiotics, unfortunately. One was given to him by the mother-in-law, which is no longer the mother-in-law, you know, secretly. And she kept my grandson for a week, and he had a cold, and she went and got him antibiotics. For a cold. For a cold. Yeah, so she's fought with getting his gut healthy again, too. But his father also had an extremely unhealthy gut. And so there's some problems there. And I don't know about my daughter. She was my oldest child, and I think her gut was compromised somewhat, too. Well, let's lay down some basic ideas here about what we're talking about instead of the horror show that we've just done, which I think The real horror show. The real horror show. Yeah. We're not talking about Frankenstein, Wolfman, and vampires. Yeah, this is very real to these mothers. This is going on all the time. And the predictions, what, 20 years ago, it was 1 in 20, or 1 in 10,000. 1 in 10,000 births 20 years ago was autistic. Nobody even knew what the word meant. Mm -mm. Now, it got, I remember when it was around 1 in four or 500, and people still, even then, weren't concerned about it. Now... It's less than one in a hundred, depending on what part of the country you're in. The average, I think, is one in sixty-five. Here in this state, is one in thirty-five. One in thirty-five in the state of Utah. And and do you know boys are twice as um, apt to get autism than yeah. girls? And I, and I was thinking about this, and here's why I think that is: boys, I think, are a little bit detached and autistic just naturally. Because I think they have to be. I mean, men and boys, they have to go out and kill. Women nurture, and men have to go out and kill things. I think they do have to be, have their, you know, their souls detached a little bit to be able to do that. Maybe it takes a little bit longer for that sensitivity to develop in a boy than it does a girl. The, the actual sensory approach. Remember, most of your immune, most of your nervous system is sensory, not motor control. The vast majority of it is sensory. The vast majority of your central nervous system that's in your brain, in your skull, and in your spine are processing systems to process what is going on around you, to relate you to what is going on around you. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean light and temperature changes. I mean all kinds of factors you can't see that exist out there. And so the the immune system is constantly on alert. The nervous system is constantly monitoring everything around it. And when it is not able to develop correctly from birth, it gets a couple of curveballs thrown at it. And then thereafter has a very, very, very difficult time, the older we get, ever being able to relate to the world around itself. Yeah, you've got to reattach the brain to the gut. You have brain tissue in your small intestine. And as I explained to these parents yesterday for in the five-hour meeting I had, you know, I was I I've told the story where I think my one of the places my grandson got his gut reattached to his brain 
or or not reattached, but where it actually made the connection was when he was a little 18-month-old boy. And you can't really talk to an 18-month-old. You can't really tell them things. And they're kind of unaware. You know, children are really unaware. They're just in the oneness of everything. They don't really separate out. Remember, Rort called every, every animal a goggy mm-hmm. forever. And humans, he called them all Rachel forever. I don't know how he got stuck on Rachel, but he well, did. Well, that was his next oldest sibling. Yeah, and then he started to, you know, differentiate. Yep. And here's mommy and here's daddy. And he became aware, which animals never do. And so, I mean, to a big extent. So one day he's in the bathtub. My daughter's filming him. He sees an orange bar of soap and his face all lights up. He gets all excited and he reaches out and grabs the soap. And where does it go? Into the mouth. Right into the mouth to get that brain-gut connection. What I'm eating and what happens. And he burst into tears, of course, because it wasn't a good tasting thing. And he became aware at that moment. He became not like the animals. He was like, oh, I don't think I want to do that again. Now, he might have done it one or two more times. But eventually, you didn't have to tell him. You didn't have to say anything to him. And he was just like, I'm not doing that again. Uh-uh. I have now become human. <laughs> I have now. And that's the things that don't... that. That never happen with these autistic kids. If you don't get verbal speech, you can't protect your child. You can't say, stay away from fire. Stay away from cliffs. And let me explain physics to you. You know, this two-ton truck and your little 30 pounds. And what happens when the two of those meet. Okay? So it's very important that we humans that take so long to mature can be talked to. And we can, we can warn them of things. And then you get that gut connection where... You know, you know somebody's an enemy. You don't even know why. You get that gut feeling, and you're like, ooh, he's a scary guy. I don't want to be by him. Well, let's get down to the gut for a minute because you keep bringing it up. Okay. And we, we now, it wasn't you and my, myself, it, doctor, and it wasn't Dr. McBride. It was Hippocrates who said every disease begins in the gut. She kind of modified that a little bit and said every chronic disease begins in the gut. And I know we've talked about this before, but I think it's really important to mention again, 90% of all the cells and genetic material in our bodies that make up this microbiome that goes from our mouth down to the bottom, 90% of all the cells and genetic material in our body is not human. It's something else. It's parasites, it's bacteria, it's viruses, it's worms, it's molds. Some of these are very good. Some of these are not so good. The good ones keep control of the bad ones, but we ignore this, as she says, at our peril. And if you were to open up the gut completely, lay it totally out flat, it would be the size of a tennis court. Mm-hmm. That's a big area for pathogens to... <laughs> well, every, every square inch of that tennis court mm-hmm. is going to be covered with bacteria, a few microns thick. But it's going to be every square inch of that tennis court all rolled up in a tube that swishes back and forth inside of our abdominal And in a healthy one, it produces every antibiotic known to man. Yeah. Well, some of the bad ones actually produce some good things because they're under the control of the good virus, good bacteria to do this. Yeah, they enlist them. There is a system in there. There is an intelligence inside of our gut. And it it will heal us. It will take care of us. It will watch over us as long as it has the proper nutrition. And when we stop feeding it the kind of nutrition that it really requires, you get an overgrowth of the bad flora. Or if the good flora was never really seeded well, at the that's very the beginning, key. then you're going to end up with a situation where uh, you the, the good bacteria is going to have a very hard time 
overcoming the bad bacteria. And that's the key. And that's the, she. this couple have two more kids, and they are both a little autistic, social problems and some gut issues. But And I wouldn't really classify them as autistic. I don't know them, but the way they describe them. So there's been some issues going on. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, this woman gets the flu shot all the time. Even while she's pregnant. Even while she's pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That mercury will go across the placental barrier. Yeah. So this little baby's only nine months old yet. We don't know if it's brain damaged yet. Well. Maybe. Let's. But we can do everything we can do. Well, the whole, to turn this around. the whole idea is to make sure that the proper flora is embedded in the gut from birth. Yeah. And so where does it come from? Oh, it comes from the birth canal. And mama's flora comes from her gut. And where did that come from? Well, it comes from her bowel. And the baby simply is not exempt, you know, from uh, daddy's bad flora. Daddy's not, I mean, exempt. His bowel flora furnish, or flourishes in his groin, often, of course, shared with mama. So when the baby's born vaginally, it's going to get the quality of flora that grows in mother's bowel and father's bowel. And that's its first experience because as far as we know, and we have no evidence to the contrary, the baby's gut is sterile while still inside mama's womb. And so when it goes through the birth canal, it swallows it's the It's going to be swallowing. We know it swallows fluid inside the, in the amniotic sac, it, mm-hmm. it swallows amniotic fluid. But that's fluid. sterile, too. We've seen it do it, but that's sterile. And now as it's going through the birth canal, it's going to have these fluids going up inside of its nose. Its fluids ears. In its mouth, in its ears. And <clears throat> it's going to be the net result of mama's good and bad flora and daddy's good and bad flora. Because daddy's flora has changed mama's flora. That's why, you know, you get the honeymoon disease. Where after you get married, while you're getting used to this other person's whole microbiome. Yeah, you think it's just sex. Yeah, and you think it's, oh, but I got an infection. Oh, this, yes, yeah. I got a little infection. Oh, yeah. it's a honeymoon. I got to kill no, that. There is, no. There are billions, <laughs> trillions yeah. of other little agents going back and forth between the two of you in yes. that kind of close intimate contact. That you never even think about. Do you know when somebody gets can you within... Imagine, can you imagine wedding announcements <laughs> talking about this thing? Or We're or going a, to share microflora. We're going, yes. Yeah. We're, we're going to microbiome. We're getting married on this Saturday afternoon. Then we're going to take off for a week and share our microbiome. <laughs> Do you, you know, and, and you're, you have resistance set up for this, but you also have to eventually welcome it when it's part of your life. So when do you know when somebody gets within three feet of you, your skin turns oh, a little absolutely. bit. Your skin turns a little bit acid, acidic, yeah, acidic yeah. to ward off bacteria. Yeah. So if somebody kisses you, it goes on red alert. Oh yeah. So sex is going to be just like ah, and send that, in the and battleships. And that's usually not just a peck on the cheek. And you're right. You know, it's right. It's like an attack on Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And eventually and the it entire just... defensive system is alerted to do something about it. But by this time, it's overwhelming because the bacteria is already jumped ship and done a land invasion. <laughs> and then you take prisoners, yeah. you know. <laughs> you say, you're going to be cordoned off over here to stay away from us. <laughs> so I can just see some lady listening to this tonight who's standard line, not tonight, honey, I have a headache. <laughs> She's going to say, not tonight, honey, I got enough bacteria as it is. <laughs> I don't want to share your microbiome. <laughs> okay, but this is the forbidden fact. This is what we told you at the beginning of the podcast that we We're would gonna, give you. And this is, this is very important. Remember, your immune system is a learning system. 
Your immune, a, new, a newborn baby's immune system is a learning system, and just as the baby learns, this is mommy, this is daddy, this is the dog, this is the cat, this is hot, this is cold, this is my brother Bob, Bobby, whatever. Stay uh, away from him. Get, yeah, stay away from him because he flips me. <laughs> he, he picks my cheek when no one's looking. Yeah. Um, the baby's the got a clean slate, a blank slate. Yeah, a, 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 a empty slate of whatever's going on. Now it's going to learn whatever's going on if it has a decent system to do so. But that's on the macro level. On the micro level, there's also some serious learning that's taking place. Because if the abnormal bacteria is present at birth in the baby's gut, its own developing immune system will never recognize that bacteria as being an invader. It will, as it grows older and learns things, it will see it as self and will not attack it ever in the entire life because it sees it as self. And this is part of the futility and the extreme danger of infant vaccinations. Its own immune system is is in a developmental stage. It wasn't developed when they were born. It's going to develop over the next couple of years, at least till they're two years old. And it simply will not recognize an injected life form into its bloodstream, especially during the first 12 months of life, let alone another 12 months. So in other words, you're saying you won't build antibodies to those vaccinations that you're given. in Because the first you don't have the ability to do it. Right. In the first 12 months, you accept everything as the norm. Yes. So, so like when you're raised in a horribly abusive rela- um, family... You're, you know, Until all kinds you see of abuse. A family that's not. You think this is that, the this norm, is the but is. isn't it deep set in you? You're like, man, I'm scared of, you know, all men, or I'm scared of alcoholics, or I'm scared when I hear this, when I smell that smell, I run for cover. I hear that noise. I hear the car engine coming up in the driveway. I run to my bedroom and shut yeah, the door. Yeah, so much. Yeah. Of, so this is so ingrained in us as a little child because we're clean slates. Well, We're like, is, well, I guess everybody's like this. You know, everybody yeah, has... Yeah, you make that assumption. Right. Well, part of the ingredients of mother's milk, and this is one of the reasons why breastfeeding is so important. There's so many factors. They're, they've found somewhere between three and 400 ingredients in mother's milk. But there's a learning system that's transferred as chemical messengers, cytokines, transfer factors, other kinds of things that are present in mother's milk. These are chemical messengers that school the baby's immune system to begin operating the way it's supposed to. It's kind of sitting there waiting to be told what to do. And when it's told what to do, through mom's chemistry coming through her breast milk. And remember, mama's breast milk is just the same. Whatever is in her blood is in that breast milk. White blood cells. Except for... The red blood cells. Mm-hmm. They've been filtered out. Mm-hmm. So there's white blood cells in there, the autoimmune aspects that are carried through in the sense of uh, uh, the chemical messaging system that helps the baby's system wake up and recognize without having been exposed to a particular disease, it's already now on guard for a particular disease because mama was. Mm-hmm. And the healthier mama's immune system is, the healthier her milk is, the better her baby will be. Now, give you a little example here. Look at the side, look at a can of formula and see if you can see the words cytokines and transfer factors mm. <laughs> listed as part of the ingredient. Well, that's nonsense. You know, and, and so why is the rate of autism increasing? But that's what's in a mother's milk. That's in mother's milk. The cytokines. Yeah, the, and anti, all these antibodies. Transfer the, factors. And transfer, yeah. And all of these 
uh, uh, antibodies that mama has developed all her life are present in her blood and will be active up to about somewhere between 6 and 12 months because the baby's immune system simply will not make antibodies for almost the the first 12 months of its life. Any textbook, like the one I have right over there that I showed you earlier, uh, Guidance, 10th edition of the Bible of Human Physiology, says very clearly under infant defense systems, they cannot make antibodies the first 12 months of their life. And, of course, that's the reason why they give them vaccines. They give them vaccines because they make money off of giving vaccines. The vaccine industry exists because it's a huge multi-billion dollar business, not because they're interested in helping people. But, you know, the, the question I want to ask is, why is the rate of autism increasing? Why is this invisible plague beginning to spread into almost every home in America now in the sense of... If you don't have it in your family, you know somebody that does. Yeah. I mean, that's prevalent. And so the predictions for 2020 is something like one in two. Half the children born by 2020 to 2025, somewhere in there, are going to have autism. Who's going to take care of them? Well, that and how The other half? Yeah, the other half has rheumatoid arthritis and... Chronic sicknesses from birth, OCD, schizophrenia, ADHD. I mean, where... This is the question of the show. Where is humanity headed? And how will this little five-year-old boy ever have a relationship? Well, he can't. No, he can't. He can't even talk. And, and there's many others that have, we know people that are, you know, high on the Asperger scale. It's difficult to have a relationship with, I mean, it's difficult, in my opinion, to have a relationship with a man anyway, because they're, <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, they're detached. They're, they're not quite as intimate, you know, as a girlfriend uh, and girlfriend guilty. together. Yeah, guilty. Yeah, and, and they, I, I think it's Mother Nature's way. Well, now that's they why can girls be, get up and go to the bathroom together when you all go out to dinner. I know, it's the intimacy, and, and, and men have to have this type of detachment, I think, but if they don't have their yin and yang, you know, male and female. balanced yep. out, then they're going to be kind of nightmares. In other words, they need to have some nurturing side to them, and females need to have some kind of kill it kind of thing. Right. Sometimes they have to kill cockroaches when their husbands aren't home. So, you know, we have to be yin and yang on a lot of these things, but I think with this lack of good nutrition from the mother, when good flora given to the mother, they became become extremely male, and that beca- begets violence on a worldwide scale. Yes. And I think that's what's happening with our males. Now, we get little girls with um, autism also, which is very strange. But if you're, if you're a twin and you know, you're a boy and a girl, it's so magical how the mother's body knows which one's the boy and which one's the girl. And the mother will dump all the toxins into the boy because we don't need as many boys as we need girls. It's just mother's way, nature's way of keeping us alive. Well, let's talk about nature's way of keeping us alive. Measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox, these are things that were given to us by Mother Nature as a gift to mature our immune systems. Beautiful. They are necessary for us. I couldn't have said it better. And the people like Joseph Lister, those who invented the uh, vaccinations, I think were absolutely motivated by desires to help people. But that desire is gone. That motivation no longer exists. Vaccinations are a multi-billion dollar industry, and these childhood diseases are closely related to deficiencies in vitamins A, D, E, and K2. They're all fat-soluble vitamins. They're needed for the immune system to operate correctly. And so the, the, the point I want to make with this is that children who are healthy, children who are vitamin-rich, 
children who have been fed food instead of packaged non-foods through their and developmental years. And got good flora from their mother. And got good flora from their mother. Will sail through these diseases and come out the other side just fine. And in some cases, especially with measles, they'll come out the other side better than they went into it. And the vaccine industry, as well as the food industry, does not exist for the benefit of the people. These are huge industries that exist for the bottom line. And, you, and we need to understand that. The hospital industries, where they, they're out, you know, if they were out there to take care of mankind, you could probably go there for free, but they're not. They exist as businesses. Even the nonprofit, the not-for-profit hospitals are still businesses. The, the food industry, the, the massive agrochemical industries aren't out there to give us healthier food. They're out there to get a bigger bottom line for stockholders. And unfortunately, that totally pervades every aspect of health care. And that's why I think alternative health We don't have healers anymore. Well, no, we yeah. don't have our healers. We don't have what healers. happens when you stop taking your meds? You're not better. No, you're not any better at all. In yeah. fact, you may be worse. <laughs> you got to start taking your pills again. The yeah. pills didn't cure anything. That they hormone just replacement therapy didn't cure anything, as I explained to this couple also. I also explained, you know what? They're a young couple. I said, you don't know what chicken pox is like, do you? You don't know what measles are or mumps are. They're... Yeah, they... Yeah, and they've been and they, fooled into and thinking. Their eyes are great big, like, yeah. oh, I don't want my child to get the oh, chicken I don't pox. Want to get the chicken pox, though. They, they, I don't know what'll happen, <laughs> but I don't, I don't want them to get it. Oh, but heavens. they are gifts given to us yeah, by, by Mother, Mother Nature. Nature. And you know, as Dr. McBride is always saying, we call to us viruses to clear out something much more terrible. Yeah. You know, when I got that cold, I talked about on the podcast three weeks ago or something. I. I think it cleared. I welcomed it. I welcomed it. In fact, I tried to like help it out and let school the system, get those antibodies working. I don't want to ever get this virus again and help me be one with the world so I can live a strong, you know, fruitful life the rest of my life. And I welcomed it in because I knew it was clearing out something much more terrible. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. This is the forbidden information you can't get anywhere else. Nobody says this. I don't hear this anywhere. And and the little nugget we gave today, that when your body does not get schooled correctly, it will think of these, when, when the bad flora comes into a brand new baby, and then it gets wiped with a vaccination in those first three critical days of life, it gets interrupted in a ridiculous maximum way, your body will think of the bad flora that you got from your mother as self, and it will never fight it. Yeah, because it thinks it belongs. Uh, If you are just listening to this podcast for the first time or only heard a couple of these, I would refer you to podcasts 34, 35, and 36. Yeah. Three-part on vaccinations that goes into what we're talking about in a much deeper, more scientific level than we've had a chance to talk about. Yeah, I actually sent those to the nine, the mother with the nine-month-old. Let me ask you a question. Oh, mighty GAPS practitioner that you are. <laughs> what is the difference between going to a certified GAPS practitioner's clinic and a pediatric clinic for a seemingly ill child? Now, before you answer it, I'm going to answer it. Okay. For the record, a seriously ill child needs to be in the ER. Mm-hmm. We don't fool with that. No. They have breathing problems or they're turning blue or something. You go straight to the ER. You don't go anywhere else. But short of that, what's the difference? Well, in our clinic, let me tell you what I observe all the time Mary is talking to some new people. 
She's going to spend the first hour discovering the health issues of the parents and the grandparents of the child. Now, just imagine that. Your, your, your child, there's something wrong. Usually it's kind of an autistic or a, or a, a Asperger's type of thing that people bring their kids Eczema. in for. Or psoriasis, these kinds mm-hmm. of things. I want to set the stage first for what's hap- what happens in our clinic. Mary's going to spend an hour, maybe longer, finding out the health of the parents and the health of the grandparents. You know, I didn't even test this child. This five-year-old child. Oh, yeah. I didn't need to. What, five five hours with these people? I think the floor came from the father who had some really bad problems in his life. His dad brought home a bowl of mercury and let the kids play with it. And he said, I played with it for days and weeks. I remember playing with mercury as a kid. Unbelievable. That probably destroyed, you know, tremendous stuff. But And then he had constant ear infections. He said he was on antibiotics for years at a time when he was a child. The mother didn't seem that unhealthy, but she's probably been damaged because of her her husband. Yeah. But the child obviously got some really bad flora, or it was just completely the vaccination damage. Well, it could be that as well, but you spend all this time trying to With get the their parents. health mm-hmm. uh, profile because the health of the baby is going to be somewhat detect- or, uh, dictated by the health of the mother at the time of the birth. Mm-hmm. You know, a sick gut is going to equal chronic sickness to some degree or another, and that has got to come through both parents to the new, now present young child in front of you. Now, on the other hand, you go into a pediatrician, what happens? Well, they're going to check the temperature, look in the ear canal, listen to their heart, check the vaccination records. Yeah. For sure. Ask for signs of illness or change behavior and prescribe an antibiotic. <laughs> Where in a lot of cases, some warmth, some sunshine would be better for the vitamin D, some probiotics, a little cooing, mm-hmm. homemade broth, liquid, some herbal teas, and mama's love would have been enough. But in that. A little calcium. Yeah, a little calcium, <laughs> a little barley water. Yeah. But in this case, the baby comes out or the child comes out with a. An antibiotic, and, and something in the back of mama's head said, we did this two months ago with an antibiotic. Why am I back in here again for, an, for a, another antibiotic? And then surrenders to the fact that she does not know an alternative. Mm-mm. But in our office, like you said, you didn't even check, test the little boy. He was there. You could do an obvious phys- or, um, a, a visual test. But you spend most of the time with mom and dad because the combination of mom and dad's health is now present in this child. Sure. I, I mean, wanted this, to test his liver, his pancreas. Sometimes I see those weakened in little children, but I couldn't touch him. No way. And they said the only way I could have is if he had sat on their lap, and then I would have got the parents' meridian in the reading, so yeah. it wouldn't have been that accurate. Right. So it's okay. Um, I, you know, I know how to get him healthy without seeing all his meridian points. We have a prenatal protocol that we suggest for mothers. I've... I talked, I've talked endlessly about this in treatment rooms with patients. It is absolutely critical to get the mother healthy before she gets pregnant. We have a pre-prenatal. That's right. It's a pre-prenatal. Right. You take this before you get pregnant, not just wait till you get pregnant. Right, and then while you're pregnant, it changes a little bit because it, a lot of it's for the baby now. Well, we don't want to excrete much. We don't want to cause you know this massive die-off when she's pregnant. So... We want to do this before she's pregnant. It's so critical. Many civilizations spent four years getting their mothers healthy before they would let them get pregnant. So, or at least they would try. So at least, you know, if you're engaged or if you're thinking about it, or just do it now if, you have, if you're a woman or you have girl children. <laughs> get them get them healthy. They're the ones. It's very important. I mean, the boys are important too. 
Maybe we should put the uh, pre prenatal and the prenatal uh, handouts with this okay. podcast. What and I think? am also, because a lot of people hearing this have children that have already been damaged. It's very sad. So I'm also going to put on two children's gaps protocols. And one is a minimum, one's a, the best one, if you can afford it, or if you can get the, all the supplements down the child. Well, that's it. That's what I'm going to put on. So the pre-prenatal, the prenatal, I think we have a nursing protocol too. Oh. I, I'm almost sure we do. Well, I don't mean Which to sound has a lot surprised. Of good... It's just that we should definitely have one. Well, you know, very few people will do this. And it's, it's our children we're talking about. We'd rather spend millions of dollars afterwards trying to get them better from all well, these that's what I rheumatoid said arthritis and schizophrenia and ADD and H. You know, instead of, you know, we used to have this cute little. Baby, um, baby shower bag in our office. Yeah, we did. I and it was that. beautiful. And I put, you know, streamers all over it and everything. And we had the protocol and we had all the supplements that you need f- to give to an, a mother that's pregnant. Of course, that's a little late then, but even still, it's very important they get good supplements while they're pregnant. I mean, you can raise your baby's IQ 15 to 20 points. Some people say 30 points more than the parents if you give them iodine while they're pregnant. So this is what to us it was like beyond important, and so we put this little bag out there, and I put all the little supplements in there, and then the little uh, you know the little handout was all cutesy and pink and yellow, and said this is a great idea for a baby shower gift. Guess how many we sold? <laughs> I don't think we sold one, because they were like two hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah, to have all the correct supplements. To have all the correct supplements. Who's going to buy that for a baby shower? Well, you'd, th- you'd think a grandmother would. You'd think a, you'd think a husband would. Yeah. Or even well, the mother herself, well, you know. I'll tell you who would. Someone like these mothers you talked about at the beginning of the show who are going to turn their children's lives around through the GAPS program, they would be willing to get something like this. Yes, but they're, they're going to the end up spending more than that now because oh, they didn't do it in the front end. They're yep. going to spend so much more trying to get them healthy. And even then, you worry if it's going to be good well, enough. Well, it is so critical to get that baby's gut flora as healthy as possible to not the vaccinate. Mother's, the mother's gut flora. Here's our recap for our podcast. It is critical to get the mother healthy before she gets pregnant. But if that didn't happen, it's critical to get the baby's gut flora as healthy as you can and never vaccinate an immune-compromised child. Excellent. I could not have said that better. Don't give vaccinations to a preemie. Don't give them to immune-compromised, especially a sick child. It does say that you shouldn't, if your child has a runny nose or a fever, I I know on this inserts, because I remember giving vaccinations to my children, well, maybe it doesn't say it anymore, but it used to say, don't vaccinate your child if she or he has a cold, a runny nose, or a fever. But this child had had antibiotics. He was clearly sick, and they gave him seven vaccinations at once. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Grand mal seizure. And I do want to say one thing here about a grand mal seizure. I told the parents, that saved your little boy's life. Seizures clear out toxicity in the brain. That's why they're so critical. The, the, um, Dr. McBride talks about this all the time, and she's a neurologist and a neurosurgeon, and she says people that have seizures are much more lucid right after the seizures because they've cleared out this toxicity. But then what do you do? You give them anti-seizure medication that just sends tons well, of toxicity. toxicity to increase until they have a grand mal. 
Yeah. And she says, no. we do the exact opposite from what we should do. Now, granted, you know, we do have to stop them in very severe cases, but it's critical. The, the recap of this whole show is it's critical to get the mother healthy before she gets pregnant. But if that didn't happen, it's critical to get the baby's gut flora as healthy as you can. Don't vaccinate an immune-compromised child. All right. That's it. Now for a change. Okay. We've opened up our symptom survey to the world, and now our symptom survey is found on our website. Previously, of course, it was accessible only to podcast listeners. So get in line quickly because it is still being offered at no charge. In fact, there's 30 of them sitting in the office for me to go complete. Mm. Normally, it's $150, so we are going to be inundated. It will not stay free. So don't forget, right after you turn off this podcast, go to ForbiddenDoctor.com, click on Survey at the upper right top of our menu. Do the survey so we can see what's going on with your body and how it's performing for you. And we will make and send you a personalized supplement protocol based on the results of your submission. These surveys are protected under our HIPAA requirements and no one sees them except our nutritional staff. And either they or me or Dr. Jack will respond to you. All right. Okay. We'll see you next week and keep those mothers healthy. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast with Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. It's our pleasure to join you on your health revolution and look forward to our quest for health together. Join us again next week for more health secrets and forbidden truths about self-healing. Until then, visit ForbiddenDoctor.com and enter your email to receive a special coupon for the Forbidden Doctor special scientific formula, our long life energy enzymes. This custom-made one-capsule supplement is created from the most concentrated energy-stimulating enzymes. For more information, be sure to head over to ForbiddenDoctor.com. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.